Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Welcome and thank you for joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and I'm pleased to welcome back to the table Chris Miller. For the coming minutes, Chris and I will be discussing his recent sermon from Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through chapter 6, verse 18. And Chris, as I say that, I'm reminded of 50 verses in this passage, <laughs> and you've really taken on a lot, but uh, I know that we're going to be able to fly through this, and uh, there's so much there to to grab onto. We won't be able to hit it all these uh, few minutes we have together. Mm-hmm. That's right. We uh, said in the sermon, we may not get to look at all the leaves on the trees, but we'll hopefully get a big picture of the forest. And I, I think we did, and I, it, was, it was interesting to sit there and listen to what you were saying. Uh, just before we went to the microphones today, we talked about the fact that there is so much there and it seems in writing so simple mm-hmm. just do that we all want to know what to do this is what we do christ says but it is so hard to put in practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so chris you, you made a few memorable comments in the introduction to your sermon but one that i really want to focus on here is this you said something along the lines you said reputation is what people think i am or how I appear to people, and character is what God knows me to be or how I am on the inside. Can you give us some practical ideas of how one might best evaluate both his or her reputation and character? Yeah, I'll sure give it a try, Bart. Uh, Let me just say as we begin here, uh, this big idea, I think, is the big idea of the entire chapter and even chapter 6 as well because it just gets back to the same thing the Old Testament talks about, that God wants our hearts. When the scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Without hesitation, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So e- even in the Old Testament, we sometimes get the feeling that it's all about the externals, and it never was about that. The externals right. are involved because they often show what's on the inside, but it all starts with our hearts and what's going on in the inside. And it is human nature to worry about the outside. It's, it's, we, we've, our first impulse is to put on the fig leaves and cover up. But indeed, God knows what's on our heart. And so I, I think it is just a challenge for us not to be content with uh, how we appear or how we have covered up or, or the face we put on. And it's not just a temptation we have in this day and age with social media and how we present ourselves. It's, it's <laughs> always been that way with humans. But it, it's, it's just always um, an encouragement for us to start looking at what God looks at, to love what God loves, and to search our hearts. Mm. And pray for God to do that. God, search me and know my heart. Because I often don't know my heart. But God, in right. your grace, would you slowly, graciously, carefully reveal to me what I am? Because if he did it all at once, I'm, I'm afraid I couldn't take <laughs> couldn't it. Couldn't stand it, could we? <laughs> no. Couldn't stand it. No. So what, what are some other ways? You, you, asking God to reveal to you, what are some other practical ways that God might say, Chris, I want you to do this. This will help you to understand who you really are. Mm-hmm. I think I think those ex- those practical examples that Jesus gives are pretty good. When, when you say, you fool, or you idiot, or you airhead, or you dummy, you know, just a good practice might just be listening to our own tongues. Maybe even recording and jotting down mm-hmm. some things that you say. Mm-hmm. One of the most help- through the day. One of the most helpful assignments I ever had was for my students to take a three by five card and listen to themselves for a weekend and write down everything that came out of their mouths 
that wasn't positive. Wow. And it was, it was, it was absolutely eye-opening. Those students came back on Monday and said we never would have believed the way we use our tongues. And I think just paying attention to how we speak is a good start. Mm. And, and then for those next illustrations, all of those have practical applications. What am I thinking now? What am I thinking about that person? When right. I see here, when I see there, am I seeing them as an object to be desired or am I seeing them as a person to be blessed by God? Hmm. As uh, you probably have never done this, but as you've, as we look forward to a diet, one mm-hmm. of the things that we're told to do is write down what you ate the past week yeah, yeah, or yeah. chronicle what you eat. It's amazing. It is. How much junk I eat. It is. When you start paying attention to to those little calories, <laughs> you just start paying attention to those little words. They add up, don't they? They, they do add up. They sure they do. do. Well, great. Well, we discussed in our last episode with Jeremy Kimball the fact that in Matthew's account of Jesus' public ministry, Jesus' first recorded teaching, and you're just continuing on here mm-hmm. in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's aimed at deconstructing the spiritual infrastructure uh, that the Jewish leaders had erected. You, mm-hmm. you referenced that here in, earlier in your early in your sermon. Yeah. But uh, I want to ask you, so Chris Miller, fill in the following blanks. If Jesus were addressing his people today, he might say, you have heard that it was said to those of old, Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. But I say, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. What yes. would he say to us today? Uh, I think it would be remarkably similar huh. uh, because it's a it's a, such a human thing uh, ever since Ab and Eve to try to worry about the outside and not the inside. So he it, it might not be uh, oaths which we take, um, but it, but it might well be. Let's see how do we count our spirituality? Well, what are the things that we would look to as supports that we are on the right track? Mm. And if you say, well, I haven't missed a church service in this amount of time, or I've read my Bible or something else. Or I don't smoke or drink or, or chew or it, run around the girls who do. There you yeah. go. Exactly right. Right? Or I'm in the right crowd or I have the right friends or I dress the right way. All, all of those things have one thing in common, and that is they're just about, not about your heart, not about what's going on inside your mind. And, and that's where Jesus continually drives us back to. Hmm. So it is uh, continues to be about the heart, and it's amazing yeah. Yeah. that in all the societal evolution that we hear about, mm-hmm. we haven't come out of that, have we? No, we sure As haven't. A people, we sure haven't. Sin is still sin, isn't it? Right, and from China to Russia to the United States, mm-hmm. it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Well, there's a statement made in several scriptural passages that reflects what David states in the 40th Psalm. He says, "In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted." But you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Now, one might say, no, 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 no. In fact, God did require burnt offerings and sin offerings. (laughs) Can you speak to how this particular passage, and one it's quoted elsewhere in Scripture, but how this passage applies to what we're talking about here? Yes, absolutely. I I think people don't understand exactly the Jesus strategy or the psalmist strategy when they say that, when they think, oh, maybe the sacrifices weren't that important. But but they were because God wanted those. But of course, it was always, always assumed it was going to be on the basis of a good heart first. Object lessons, perhaps, uh, you could ob- tell them? Object lessons, for sure. It's, a, it's the very same thing that Jesus states here. So then if you bring your gift to the altar and remember your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there, first be reconciled, and then come back and present your gift. So both of them are put there as good things, being reconciled and presenting the gift, but one comes before the other. Mm. The gifts, the service, whatever we do, 
it's kind of meaningless unless uh, we're loving our brothers and loving God first. So the sacrifices you're saying was was to were to point to the truth of loving God, loving your neighbor. Exactly, and th- those were the overflow out of a grateful heart. Hmm. So if the heart is not grateful, the heart is not right with God. Again, you don't have integrity there. You have the outward working in contrast to the inward, and God says that's the problem. Right, and uh, of course, you know it goes without saying, but often when we say it goes without saying, we ought to say it anyway, <laughs> and that is that the sacrifices became the focus as opposed to the real message behind them. And not just became the focus, but became the compensation. There you go. In our minds, right? right? If we do this, then we don't have to worry about this. And we do that all the time today. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the way we dress, the way we talk, the way we mm-hmm. go to church or whatever it might be. And in any of our personal relationships, that kind of thinking uh, soon gets exposed. <laughs> try that with a spouse. Oh. <laughs> try, oh, you're preaching now. <laughs> you know, try, try doing outward things if your heart's not in it right. for a spouse, and they'll see through that. And no one, none of us want that. None of us want people to do perfunctory things. We just want your heart we want your it's love all about why we do what we do yeah hmm. well i had a substitute teacher in my adult bible fellowship that i lead uh, this past week and he talked about the jewish mishnah you again you referenced that early in your sermon that compilation of rules and regulations that the jewish leaders had developed to keep observant jews from even coming close to disobeying God's laws. Now, uh, this leader here, a uh, teacher here a week and a half ago, he suggested that by creating this set of rules, the Jews had actually short-circuited their spiritual growth since they were actually relying on their own strength in keeping those rules mm-hmm. and not on God's strength working in them through the Holy Spirit. So uh, your thoughts on that comment? Yeah, I, I, mean, I kind of am sympathetic just a little bit to that idea because everyone <laughs> wants to know, well, what, what are the boundaries, right? right? And so when you say, well, keep the Sabbath, what does that mean? And it's inevitable if a, a, that a leadership is going to say, well, this is in or this is out because people want to know. But We've got to try to resist that, I think, because the more you do that, then the more the focus just goes on the man-made addition Mm -hmm. to the statement. Mm. So, again, to go back to what the Sabbath is required, what God requires the Sabbath, it's remarkably vague. That is, you don't want to work on the Sabbath because we don't want you to think that God doesn't provide for your needs. So making the Sabbath a separate day and, and not working is a, is a way to say, God, I trust you. Mm-hmm. God, I'm thankful that you provide for me and that you'll provide for me and you don't want me to become a workaholic. Well, the people, the people in the wilderness, mm-hmm. the manna came six days a week. Exactly. And, and, and twice and, and double on Saturday. Right. And, and that, and that's the essence of it. And then all these silly rules they added about, Boy, if you snatch a snack of granola from a wheat field on a Sabbath day, then you're in violation. Uh, again, let me just say as the, as the teacher here that um, Jesus wasn't violating any laws. <laughs> he does say he's Lord of the Sabbath, which doesn't mean he can break the rules, but it means he understands what they mean. Right. And, and that, the, to, to, to nourish people, to satisfy hunger, and that kind of a way was perfectly legitimate. And it's the Pharisees who were taking all the fun out of life. Right. Chris, Jesus was very clear in saying he did not come to abolish the law. He mm-hmm. came to fulfill or uh, uh, make sure that it was come to total fruition. Mm-hmm. Yet there are times where Jesus says you're not subject to the law. And, and we, we know that we're not necessarily subject to the Old Testament law 
as it was given to the to the Jews to the Israelites. Is that a true statement? Is there uh, are both and? It seems almost contradictory. Well, it, it, it might be a little bit contradictory in terms of time okay. because the Jesus, the people that Jesus was speaking to. Uh, were subject to the law, mm-hmm. and he did tell them, you know, whenever the Pharisees, when they tell you what to do when they sit in Moses' seat, you ought to do that, okay. right? But he wasn't talking about the extra rules they had. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we're talking about apples and oranges because now in the church, when the new covenant comes and Gentiles come in, no, we are not citizens of ancient Israel under the constitution of right. the law, for sure. Right. We're not in a theocracy. No. no. Ecclesiocracy, <laughs> right. if one wants to say that. Good. Well, I appreciate the following question from one of our church members here at Grace. Jesus' discussion, he writes, and mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing this, uh, so if you're listening, make sure you know I'm paraphrasing your words. Jesus' discussion equating murder and anger is an interesting one. We know that the Old Testament law calls for the death penalty in the case of murder, but if anger and murder are essentially the same thing, that seems to be a pretty darn severe penalty for thoughts, just thoughts of anger and not mm-hmm. actions or, mm-hmm. or hate. After all, Jesus got angry, and he even called people fools, which were it's said not to do. Uh-huh. Matthew 23, verse 17, Luke eleven forty are suggested here as uh, references. What gives? <laughs> well, tell Byron I'm going to get back at him for this question. <laughs> no, but it is a good question, and I think we need to clarify. Um, what Jesus is doing here is not a contradiction of what he has said. He, he Jesus is fully God, and he is acting uh, just as the Father does. And if we want to go to the Old Testament, we can find out that God gets angry at sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and God calls people fools. In mm-hmm. Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But the difference, of course, is they're speaking righteously and they're angry at the right things. And um, this is why Paul says in Ephesians 4, in your anger, do not sin. It is possible for humans when we have the values of God to be angry at the right things. But most of the time, we're angry at the things that offend us, not the things which offend God. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea of raka, which was the word used in our text in Matthew chapter 5, right. empty head, those are terms of derision, terms of contempt, looking down on someone else. And that's not the kind of thing that God does. God is saying, when it comes to who I am, only someone who is completely mistaken, only a total fool would say there is no God. So it, it is, um, it's a statement of fact and truth, mm-hmm. not a statement of contempt or derision or one which um, is, is upset or hates mm-hmm. the, uh, the other person. And let's face it, it is hard to be angry and not let that anger run away with us. Mm -hmm. And frankly, harder for some of us than it is for others. Mm -hmm. It is. But I think the goal, let's put this on in in total context here, the goal of our lives, all of us should should simply be, can be defined by this, that we want to begin to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Become angry at what God gets angry at Mm -hmm. and to be sympathetic towards things which God is sympathetic. And, and to the extent that we do that, we will be in the boundaries of where he wants us to be. And to be gracious in that anger? Yes. Is there a way to be gracious in anger? Well, certainly, as God deals with people in the Old Testament, you see him dealing with uh, with the Cain's and, and Jacob's, as I mentioned last time, and with Abraham's. And, and he is the God of incredible mercy. And, and yet, um, when we obstinately, continuously refuse, uh, there are times which only God knows when the mercy runs out. Hmm. Very good. 
Well, you did a great job of getting at the big picture of what Jesus said here on Sunday, but you had to skip a lot of great information. Mm -hmm. One passage that you couldn't get to, but that is perhaps one of Christendom's most quoted passages is the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. Many of us grew up in churches every week. We recited the Lord's Prayer. Some mm -hmm. people might call it the Disciples' Prayer. I've heard yes. that. It's yeah. that found there in, in chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Now, in the opening words of that model prayer, there's a focus on the Lord's glory and our, and that is all Christians, mm -hmm. relationship to him and each other. Uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. With that model prayer and that opening line in mind, what does how we pray and we don't always pray those words, but, mm -hmm. but what does how we pray say about our spiritual health? And, and how can that be an evaluative tool? Going back to that first question I asked you, and even a growth prompter for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how good. How we pray. Great question. And I, and I hope Sandy Acton, I hope you're listening to this. Sandy came to me on Sunday morning and said, I hope you're going to teach me about the Lord's Prayer today, Chris. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Sandy, I <laughs> wish I could, but we just have so much to cover. I can't get to that, and it's a travesty. Maybe we'll get back to that someday. But you're right. It is an absolute model. And the preface to, to this is when Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who think that as they continue on, they babble repetitiously. Don't do this like the Gentiles do, because they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need. So pray this way. So what Jesus gives here to us is a model without lots of words. And, and I do think that every believer ought to be using this as a model and pray over these things because mm -hmm. it orients what we think of first. So this, right. what's the first thing? You recognize that he is our father. He is good. He is not just my father. He is every believer's father. And the first thing you pray for, God, may your name be lifted up. So that what ought to come out of my mouth in the very first as I wake up is say, Lord, let this day not be about me. Let it be about you. Mm. My inclination is to make my fame great, to make my name great, but Lord, let's just push that to the bottom of the list today and, and let everything that I do reflect the glory of your name because you're where salvation is. No, nobody gets saved if I'm famous, mm. but if God gets the credit he deserves, people will come to know you. And then may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those, those things set the tone mm. where you start thinking about God's glory, God's rules, God's kingdom and God's community, and and then you get then you get to and Lord give us our daily bread, mm. which which is where most of us want to start. Right. Give me stuff. Give right. me stuff. And 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 that, and that comes way down the list, and you realize well, it's not unimportant. It's not unimportant. It is necessary, and 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 we ought to do that. And we'll see that in the passage coming this week that right. God does provide. But then it also says, Lord, forgive us our debts because of our sins. Right, and that's that that idea of confession. And so, as you move through here, and then God give us protection from spiritual forces of darkness. It it, it is just absolutely a model prayer. You can't go wrong. And for many many years in in my spiritual life, I just used this as a model and would think about these big topics and then pray my own prayers about them. And it was kind of rare. I got all the way through it hmm. because. Right. Because you just you just, you just start following different ways following that you the trail. That, yes yeah and again it serves as a wonderful wonderful uh, spiritual discipline right and, and uh, when I really started growing in faith I know that I sort of scorned inappropriately mm -hmm. I will quickly add churches that use this every week. Mm -hmm. 
and to be fair, it's not a magic prayer. It's a model prayer, yeah. not a magic prayer. Yeah, that's a good point. But I sort of scorned. But the more, the older I've grown, as is often the case, mm-hmm. I have matured. I say, you know, that was a good foundation. Mm-hmm. I had that drilled into mm-hmm. me every week, uh, whether it was meant to be drilled or not. But the drilling in me, that format of focusing on Christ. The other thing I wanted to just ask you about in our uh, adult Bible fellowship, as we were discussing this passage before your sermon, uh, no, I knew you weren't going to get there, so we use this as a, mm-hmm. a, a text. But Jesus using the the first person plural, our mm-hmm. Father, yes, seemed to to connote uh, the fact that yes, we are all God's children, those of us who are in Christ, mm-hmm. right? And it gets back to that love God, love others, keeping going back to the two greatest commandments. Absolutely. Us and other, us and God. One of our biggest uh, biggest errors is is being spiritual lone rangers. Mm. And the very first word denies us that. It does. Our Father. We're in this community together. It's, it's, such, it's why we believe in the church. It's a big deal. God has always called out a community of people to work together, to be together, to love one another, to show off what his kingdom is. God's kingdom is God's people, plural, in God's place. And so we, we just dare not attempt to live the Christian life by ourselves. And he calls everyone in Christ a priesthood of believers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, next week we plan to be studying the last half of chapter six. I think we're just going to go that that shorter passage there. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. What can we be doing this week to prepare for that study? Well, obviously reading it over all the time, and then also asking yourself, where are my treasures? Um, what am I treasuring? What am I working for? Am I laying up treasures on earth or in heaven? And what's the difference between those two? And um, Am I feeling anxious? Are there things that I'm worried about? Am I trying to worry instead of trust God? And so asking those kinds of insightful questions, I think, is is probably pretty good preparation for uh, what I expect will be a very fruitful sermon for us. I'm sure it will. Well, I've been talking today with Chris Miller, and his recent sermon from chapters 5 and 6 of Matthew's Gospel has provided the fodder for our discussion. You can access Chris's sermon and any other sermon from our extensive audio catalog, as well as recent podcast episodes, by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking Podcast on the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. And please join us next time as we continue in our study of the book of Matthew. Until then, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you again for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.